0: to run, and so when is it going to be Ken? July July 6th. And so he is training. I envy him. I can't run worth a darn. My son is a marathon. I think this morning he's out training in Canmore for a full marathon. What's that? 60K. That is sick. (laughs) And he came from my flesh and blood? Oh God, why did you give it all to him? Well, I thank you, Ken, for your ministry with us this morning. I read a, tr- a, a transcript this week, an actual radio transcript, conversation between the US Navy sh- a, Na- a US Navy ship and the Canadian thor- authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in 1995. The American captain said, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadian authority responded, recommend you divert your course, 15 degrees to the south, to avoid a collision. The captain said, this is the captain of a Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The Canadian responded, no. I say again to you, divert your course. The captain said, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course, or measures will be undertaking to ensure the safety of this fleet. The Canadian authority responded, this is the lighthouse, your call. We have been speaking over the last number of weeks about the one another's as I have seen them as the ten commandments of the New Testament, the ten exhortations that God has given us through his holy word to apply to one another, and by doing so, we become the body or the healthy church that he desires for us to be. For it's only a healthy church that can swing their doors open to the community and welcome the 21st century in. If we're unhealthy, it's very difficult for us to help the unhealthy spiritually. But if we are a healthy church, we have the ability to actually help the unhealthy spiritually. And so we're just about finished. I'm sure you might be saying, is that all this pastor knows is one another? We have two more to go, one this week. And then there will be a break as Pastor Freddie takes uh, the pulpiteer for a couple of weeks. You need to know that, that one of my commitments to your elders when I came on as interim pastor, while well, well, Pastor Ken recovered, was that I would help Freddie and mentor him. And it has been a privilege I think I've got more mentorship than I've given sometimes. But part of Freddie's desire in his heart is to be a preacher. And so I want to give him ample opportunity to grow. And so the next couple of weeks will be his, and then I will conclude, finally, the one another's following that. But this morning we want to move to our ninth exhortation. And that is, submit one to another as our passage this morning declares. Submit one to another in the reverence or for the reverence of Jesus. And so when we look at this whole exhortation as we have with the others, the sole purpose of it behind the one another is to exalt Jesus Christ to make sure that he is lifted up, because we are behaving the way that he desires for us to behave, and when we do that, the Bible says he is glorified. It's about him, it's not about us. And we come to one of those passages of scripture that is so abused in modern day Christendom. It is so abused because we don't fully understand it. And we take part of the passage totally out of context, and it actually does harm more than good. Over the time up till now, Paul has been speaking to the church of what the church is, but in the exhortations, he goes on to talk about what the church should be. Our relationship as believers should be greatly different as we become a follower of Christ than our relationships were before we became a follower of Jesus. Our verse says, submit one to another, or in other, other places, it, it will we'll use this word, stand by one another. Our motto today, unfortunately, is, outplay, outwit, outlast. That's the motto that our culture has adopted. And I'm afraid that sometimes we as believers fall into that motto. But that's not what Jesus would have of us. It's not surprising that God's values look upside down from the world's point of view, or the world's perspective. We wanna look this morning at God's perspective, and His call for our lives. But we need to start with this, what submission is not. It's not about being a doormat. When Paul talks to the church on this exhortation, he's not talking about us becoming a doormat for somebody. Paul, as a matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, deals harshly with the secular authorities and with Christian brothers and sisters when they overstep their bounds in understanding submission. The submission that Paul is calling us to is mutual submission. Not one where there is one person in submission and the other person in authority. That's not what submission of that Paul is talking about. But that we would submit one to another. Christian submission is not about over the top politeness. Not one where there are one person in submission and the other in authority. You get this, I don't remember, if you remember that chipmunk cartoon years ago where it was always no, no, no after you. No, I insist after you. That's not what submission is. It is not the abdication of responsibility or authority. So we get nowhere in decision-making because we become so worried that we're stepping on somebody's toes. So that's not what submission is. Christian submission is not about being dominant, being in control, being the person who has all the answers. That's not what we mean, and that's not what Paul begins to speak about when he speaks about submission. Well, what is submission? The Depp webster Dictionary says it this way, a voluntary attitude of giving in. Think about that for a moment, a voluntary attitude about giving in or cooperating or assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. The contemporary English version of the Bible puts it several ways, but most important it says, put others first. That's what submission is. That's the definition that we want to speak about this morning. But you know me, I like to get practical. I like to get into applying these one another's in a practical way, so I have three, five things I want to speak about this morning in terms of submission. First of all, submission flows out of strength, not out of weakness. Submission flows out of our strength, not out of weakness. Let me demonstrate this by Christ's example. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He understood that. But he got up from a very important meal one day and demonstrated what submission meant. When he got up from the table with his disciples and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he bowed down with water and he washed their feet, he became a servant. Submission is a sense of servanthood from strength. It's not a sense of we're going to overpower you or we're gonna make demands of you. It's a sense of submitting ourselves one to another. And he demonstrated that. We can further look at that when we look at Ephesians chapter one verse three. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You are a child of God, and you have all the riches and all the power that is, in his, that is His indwelling you to be a servant. Indwelling you to be a servant. Not to be holier than thou, not to be more righteous than the others, but you are empowered to submit one to another as a servant would submit one to another. But understand, it's a reciprocal submission. I look after you, you look after me. And we do it with an attitude of submission and servitude. We respond to that strength by not taking up a high-handed authority, but by submitting to each other. Secondly, Christian submission must come from relationships with each other. If I find anything evident in the 21st century church, it's the lack of relationship. It's a lack of true community. I blame part of technology for that. I think if we would allow, if Pastor Ken and I would somehow subliminally give permission, you'd all have your iPhones out communicating with each other. Or you'd be watching Facebook, or you would be doing whatever technology has for us, and I use it, believe you me. I have a dear lady sitting in the back there, Mary. She is long in the tooth like me, But she knows that iPad of hers, and she's like a walking encyclopedia. You need to sit and chat with her someday and and just go through her life. It's in that technology. And so it is good. But I'm afraid that it has taken over from us having a relationship one with another in such a way that we can actually serve each other. Technology has taken away our desire to be vulnerable one with the other so that we can honestly sit down and bear our burdens in relationship. We actually disallow people to submit to us or us to submit to them because we lack relationship. I've said before and I say again that I have witnessed over the past eight months or I guess it's seven months now that I've seen community in this church change. I've seen people still here at one o'clock after an hour after the service, in community. You know who I give glory for that? God. And I believe because community is developing here, God is being glorified. Submission must come from relationship. We can't submit one to another without it. Thirdly, Christian submission is about honor. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, that's got to be a battle that you want to get in. I'll honor you. No, I'll honor you better. No, I'll honor you. Now, that would be an exciting church. But submission is part of that, is recognizing that I honor you. I believe that you're a child of the king. I believe you're in my family, and you are special to me. And I want to honor you in all that I do. Honor incorporates love. Honor incorporates the very one another's we've been talking about. Accepting one another. Being devoted to one another. Submission is bringing honor to one another, but it's bringing honor to God. Submit one to another in the reverence of Christ. In the remembrance of Jesus. Jesus. That tag-along is so important in the Scriptures. By us submitting to one another, we are bringing reverence to Jesus. We are making him the king of our lives, and we're not embarrassed to demonstrate it in a loving way within our church family. We have a motto at our church that our elders and Pastor Ken was part of that, that decision a number of I don't know how long ago, it was months, years. This was going to be a church that uplifted the name of Jesus. And that was going to be the most important foundation of this church, the Word of God and the uplifting of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And being obedient to the one another does exactly that. It does exactly that. Christian submission is about sacrifice. Christian submission is about sacrifice. My command is this, Jesus said. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That is all about sacrifice. It's taking our attitude and moving away from me, 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 and replacing it with you, you, you. It means that we sacrifice some of our own intent, even some of our own desires, to submit one to another that they might be lifted up. Our world is at a place where we, we, we're almost indelibly told to lift ourselves up. Our psychologies talk about things like self-esteem and, 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 and you lift yourself up. No one's going to do that for you. That's the upside-down world of the Scriptures. He who becomes a servant becomes a leader. He who submits is strengthened. Jesus who submits finds their self-esteem growing in a positive way. Because it's no longer about me, it's about you. It's about you. And you are about, not you, you're about me. Do you get the picture? If we're all thinking you, 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 We're receiving a lot of me, me, me. And that's what it means to be the sacrifice. That's the the joy of submission. It's not what the world teaches that submission is. I tell you, this is what you're going to do, and you better do it. And how many of us rebel against that? Just ask moms and dads how their kids rebel about that kind of submission. It don't work. But we try, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But we try improperly because we misuse it. Finally, oh, I did that one. I'm backwards, eh? Submission flows from the filling of the Spirit. Submission grows. Our submission to each other is an overwhelming of uh, is an outworking of the Spirit's filling in our lives. If, any, if someone likes to call themselves a Spirit-filled Christian, but cannot s- submit to others because of pride or rebellion, I want to question their abject, adjective. Let me take a break here. Let me take a little shift this morning. This day is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is all about Pentecost. I did some research and I talked to a few of the uh, stalwart believers of our church. If I can use the term, our European friends who come from Europe and Germany and, and that part of the world. This is a celebration day there. This, this is a big day for them. Pentecost Sunday, they recognized what Pentecost Sunday meant. They were people that were in a time in the world that was the darkest in that part of the world. When darkness hovered over that part of our continent, when the atheistic dictators were trying to eradicate religion, when a radical leader, Hitler, tried to annihilate every other species, when the Holocaust was happening, those folks understood Pentecost because they knew that they could not survive their faith without Pentecost. They could not survive it. And so it carries a very special place in their heart. It's not what we kind of think Pentecostalism is. It was the very essence that they had to have to survive. I read this week to remind myself. In John, the last chapter of John, I read this. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then he said this. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that this is before Pentecost? People who think the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost are wrong, wrong, wrong. In the Old Testament, the Bible says the spirit hovered over Israel in the wasteland, and, and the Holy Spirit moved them and moved with them. David speaks about the Holy Spirit. The prophets speak about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I give you, receive now the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. If we look at it, go back a chapter to Luke. Luke says, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city, you are to stay here until you are clothed with the power from on high. That's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. I have learned over the last number of years that we in our English language can't always interpret interpret, I'm sorry, the true meaning of the Greek or the Hebrew or the original languages. We try to do it, but we have to do it within the context of our language. Dawson and, and Eve will tell you how difficult that will be as they try to do those translations with Wycliffe. But one of the things that's always bothered me. Is how we interpret the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to say God the Father. Our immediate, then, next expression is Jesus, the Son of God. And then we further that by saying the Holy Spirit, all three in one. Well, let me tell you what I believe the true languages say it's God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a little difference when you say the Son of God. You can easily begin to think he's not equal to the Father. Or when you just use the term the Holy Spirit, we don't equate him equal to the Father and equal to the Son. But he is. He is God. He is a person. And he holds the key. He holds the key to Christian power. He holds the key to power from on high. Let me read our scripture this morning again in a little different light with that context. Therefore be careful, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version now. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand, but understand the will of the Lord, a very strong prerequisite here by Paul, understand the will of God, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. This is the will of God. This is the will. You wanna know what God's will is? It's black and white here. This is not a hard book to understand. You just need to take time to read it and read it and read it. This is the will of God that you submit to one another by singing songs and hymns and, 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 and spiritual joy amongst yourselves. Always giving thanks of all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This is the will of God, that you be subject to one another, that you submit to one another. This is not Pastor Gary's plan. This is God's plan. This is what God says. Then he goes on, and here's where submission, one to another, gets totally distorted. This is where powerful, dominant men like to read and say, this is my place, I'm the head of the house. And you best listen to me. Or sometimes it's vice versa and there's a strong woman. I'm the head of this house. He goes on about children obey parents and employees who bear empl- uh, submit to employers. The problem here, folks, is we begin to read that and we forget that those verses, the foundation for those verses are in verses 15 to 21. That's the foundation. So don't read those other verses without believing the foundation. Because if you do, you will submit improperly and you will destroy somebody instead of lifting them up. You will destroy somebody instead of lifting them up. That's Christian submission. That's being submissive one to the other. And my wife and I obey this completely. I want you to know that. In our household, there's no argument. At least I don't argue. But I will say that my wife and I have begun to learn this over 50 years. We've begun to learn and understand this. Because I can't live without her. And she can't live without me. And we've learned to adapt this. And that gets us through some mighty tough times in our relationship, because relationships are difficult. And thinking we have to submit one to another almost seems like it's not workable. It can't be done. Let me conclude. Our world has some pretty messed up ideas about the leadership and submission and what it really is. And yet the Lord's will is, according to my Bible, that we submit one to another. Submission is not being spanked like a little puppy, but because of the freedom in Christ, we can submit and serve each other and look after each other's best interests. This is the practical implication. I have something that I do at baptism time that I ask every candidate I baptize. I ask them about their testimony and their faith in the Lord Jesus. I ask them if they've surrendered their life to Christ and that do they desire for him to lead them? And they always affirm yes. But then I asked them another question. I said, standing in the waters of baptism here today, do you agree to allow all these people who are witnesses of this day, do you agree to allow them to look after you? Do you agree to be accountable to them? And then I say to the congregation, do you agree to look after this candidate? Do you agree to allow him to make you accountable? You see, that's submission. That's submitting one to another. And if we can't say that, Then I suggest we're missing Pentecost because you're right. You can't say that without the power from on high for you to do it. I'm just afraid that in North America, in the Canadian 21st century church, we have forgotten that there's a a Pentecost. And that the power for our lives comes from on high. The power for us to do the one another's can only come from the power from on high. And as we surrender to him, the Holy Ghost. I love that term. I wish they'd never changed it to the Holy Spirit. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. It all makes you want to kind of lift up. But there's the power of Pentecost in our lives. The Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, our passage, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Pastor Ken would teach you, as the great exhortation preacher he is, is that means that you keep on being filled. It's a reciprocal word. It's not a one-time event. It's not like salvation, where we surrender our lives to God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's done once and for all. You have eternal life. When you surrender to Christ, when you welcome him into your life. But the Holy Spirit is an ongoing, be filled, surrender every day. Wake up every day and surrender to God, the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, you'll be amazed how different our day will be. Why? Because we are now empowered from on high. We've welcomed God the Holy Spirit to empower us for that day. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Submit one to another. This flows out of being filled with the Spirit. If you are saying this way is too hard for me, you're right. We need God, the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to get used to saying that. And saying, just the Holy Spirit. He is God, equal to the Son, equal to the Father. And in North America, I think we belittle him, seeing him somehow three rungs down the ladder. And the reality is, he isn't. He's at the top of the ladder with God the Son and God the Father. But he has a purpose. His purpose is to empower us from on high. Are you feeling empowered? I hope so. I hope so. Because we will never be obedient to the one another's without. We will never become the visible Jesus without the power from on high. Father, your holy word is so wonderful and so full of truth and so simple if we would just let the power from on high interpret it in our souls. And so, Father, I pray you take the words that have been shared this morning from your word. I pray, Father, that the interpretation has been pure and accurate. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, by your presence to move us forth into our world. Help us, Holy Spirit, to recognize you each morning, to invite you into our lives each day so that we might be empowered with your truth and that we might be all that you want us to be. And so we surrender afresh and anew this morning, our gracious Father, to who you are, We praise you, King Jesus, for what you have done in our eternal destination. And we welcome you, God the Holy Spirit, to empower us to be what you want us to be. And we're sure to ask it in the saving name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.